0: What's up, you beautiful bastards? I hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome back to your first Philip DeFranco show of the week. Today, we're talking about if the United States is about to go to war after three US troops were killed, why Pelosi said people calling for a ceasefire are doing Putin's bidding, why the disturbing Taylor Swift situation might actually change US law, and then there's so much more, so buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. Starting with whether you love her, you hate her, you're indifferent to her. It is undeniable that Taylor Swift is at the center of just numerous stories right now, some that even matter, unlike the fact that both entertainment and actual news outlets have fucking dedicated articles, some of which the the, the most popular on their site today, breaking down whether she's actually gonna be able to make it to the Super Bowl to watch her man Travis Kelsey play. Well, that is important, not just for the Swifties, but I imagine the NFL, because not only has she reportedly brought in just so many more eyes when she's at the games, but Apex Marketing Group just put out data saying Taylor Swift has created $331.5 million in brand value for the NFL and the Chiefs, and that reportedly accounting for print, digital, radio, television highlights, and social media monitoring. Though those numbers might be taking a hit right now because uh, if you haven't noticed on social media, specifically X, you literally, as I'm recording this video, cannot search up Taylor Swift. You get an error, and that's because of the Taylor Swift AI porn stuff that we talked about last time. The platform telling the Wall Street Journal this is a temporary action and done with an abundance of caution as we prioritize safety on this issue. Though notably, because this is the internet and we're talking about X, which uh, doesn't necessarily fully think things out, and there are really easy ways to get around that, and you still find those results. But the Taylor Swift AI situation got so big that even the White House chimed in, saying there should be legislation tasked with combat non-consensual explicit AI. And that's been echoed by a handful of members of Congress. Also with this, after 404 Media reported that the images were potentially made with Microsoft's AI tools, the CEO of the company responded saying that it needs to move fast on this issue, that guardrails need to be further established. Also on the note of politics, there's been a lot of conversation around Taylor Swift. As November gets closer, political aides are looking at her to rally the Swifties to the polls. Biden's team obviously wants that. The New York Times reporting that fundraising appeals from Ms. Swift could be worth millions of dollars for Mr. Biden. There's also been talk of like how much you could actually swing an election. People pointing to research from Red Field and Witten Strategies has found that 18% of recipients would be more or significantly more likely to vote for a candidate that she endorses. Though not as talked about 17% said they would be less likely. So still very meaningful but possibly overstated. And then the other shoe has officially dropped in that whole George Carlin AI situation. With George Carlin's estate now officially filing a lawsuit against Dudezy, which is that AI podcast that published a George Carlin AI special called I'm Glad I'm Dead. That special generating a lot of backlash. Most of the comments on our video were about how it was disgusting though. You did have some Dudezy fans showing up saying it's not like that saying that it's more of an experiment being at the mercy of AI, saying Will Sasso is actually freaked out by it. But regardless of that mindset, his estate is now claiming that the special amounted to copyright infringement by using Carlin's material to train the chatbot without permission, then seeking removal of the special and damages. So notably, the special is no longer viewable on YouTube as it was switched to private sometime after the suit was filed. A suit that is specifically filed against both co-hosts of the Dude'sy podcast, right, Will Sasso and Chad Klutgen, though it also includes others involved with the AI program and creation of the special, with a lawsuit arguing that the special also hurt Carlin's reputation. Carlin's daughter, Kelly, saying in a statement, that quote George Carlin in that video is not the beautiful human who defined his generation and raised me with love. It is a poorly executed facsimile cobbled together by unscrupulous individuals to capitalize on the extraordinary goodwill my father established with his adoring fan base. And this is there are claims that this special was actually not made by A.I. Or with a spokesperson for Will Sasso telling the New York Times that Dudesy is a fictional podcast character created by two humans and that the Carlin special was quote completely written by Chad Klutgen. The Klutgen's team didn't confirm that to the Times, nor was there any clarification about how Carlin's voice was made. But notably there, the complaint actually notes that whether the special was fully AI, just use AI-powered tools or whatever, it does not matter because it was promoted and presented as AI-generated and claiming to have resurrected George Carlin with the technology. And really, I think this is just one example of a growing situation. With AI, we are seeing a new wave of lawsuits, and notably, the results of these lawsuits are largely gonna determine what this whole fucking landscape looks like in the coming years. But as we wait to see how this plays out, how do you think it should? Like, do you think the George Carlin estate is in the right here, or do you agree with the, uh, the argument that this is just a different version of parody or like i've seen some dudesy fans saying you know what's the difference between what we saw with the ai special and if will sasso just like put on a wig and try to do his best george carlin impersonation or do you think that holds water or is that bullshit? and then let's talk about our douchebag of the day the guy who's been described as the most vile worthless scummiest shitbag pieces of trash to ever graced the glorious state of washington his name is Ashton Connor Garcia, he is 21 years old, and for each year that he's been on this planet, he has swatted at least one person. With him from June of 2022 to March of 2023, making over 20 swatting calls to police in several US states and Canada. With him making false bomb claims, making allegations of murder, rape, and kidnapping. And in many of those cases, heavily armed police entered the place that he targeted with their guns drawn. And all of that now leading him to plead guilty to four felony charges. With his indictment saying that he treated the calls like entertainment, explaining that he often broadcasted them on Discord to encourage others to watch, participate and more specifically sometimes he threatened to swat female victims if they didn't send nude photos of their parents credit card information and as far as the time he's going to serve we're not going to know until april though we know that prosecutors have agreed to recommend no more than four years in prison and while i know there are going to be some watching that are going to be like that's not enough time at the very least it is important that we see people be held accountable for shit like this because we are continuing to see more and more of this especially compared to a decade ago and i mean we're seeing it in all avenues of life some of the most recent examples being like earlier this month there was a swatting campaign directed at public officials in charge of ballot access and voting or yet authorities having to evacuate or lock down several state capitol buildings following bomb threats so i will say personally i do think that the penalties for doing this need to be greater when we're talking about someone swatting someone else i don't i don't see that as harassment i see a lot of these situations attempted murder. You're sending a group of armed people to a place. You're telling them that something horrible happened. It's fucking game on. And the only fucking saving grace in these situations having the authorities actually having some trigger finger discipline. We've seen cases in the past where that didn't happen and someone got fucking shot and killed. As far as I'm concerned, the swatting is the firing of a weapon. And we either make a bigger deal about holding people accountable or there's no reason you should expect any sort of change in behavior. And I mean, that's not even taking into account the extortion we talked about with this situation. And then I gotta say that one of the things that makes a good night sleep for me is my bed. More specifically the sheets on my bed. Now, there's nothing like crawling into the most comfortable sheets I've ever experienced. Like you need these in your life type of comfort. And thanks to today's sponsor Cozy Earth, this is the brand giving you the softest, most luxurious feeling fabric guaranteed. I'm not kidding, you don't love Cozy Earth sheets? You have a hundred days to get your money back. But also, I can't imagine you not loving these and you won't stop there. Their athleisure products is like taking the bed with you during your day. They feel as soft and cozy as the sheets. and with viscous from bamboo. And get this, both Cozy Earth apparel and sheets are naturally tempered Regulating and moisture wicking, so you'll stay more comfortable year-round. Coming from someone who runs hot, that is a great selling point. Plus, Cozy Earth prides themselves on the ethical production of all their products, and the durable fabric doesn't pill even after continual washing and drying. They just keep getting softer and better and more comfortable. And hey, with Valentine's Day approaching, this would make a great gift for both of you. All you do is go to cozyearth.com/defranco and enter Defranco to get up to 35% off at checkout. That's cozyearth.com/defranco. CozyEarth.com slash DeFranco. And then in political news, let's talk about this Nancy Pelosi, Gaza ceasefire, Russia controversy. It all stems from Pelosi doing an interview with State of the Union host Dana Bash. With Pelosi being asked, are Democrats worried that younger voters, Arab Americans, and progressives might stay home instead of voting for Biden in 2024? And Pelosi responded by saying that she had been the uh, recipient of what she called the exuberances of anti-war demonstrators. So arguing as a result that she knew the feelings they have and adding. But we have to think about what we're doing. And what we have to do is try to stop the suffering in gossip. This is women and children, people who don't have a place to go. So let's address that. But for them to call for a ceasefire is Mr. Putin's message. Mr. Putin's message. Make no mistake, this is directly connected to what he would like to see. I think some of these, some of these protesters are spontaneous and organic and sincere. Some, I think, are connected to Russia. When Vash asked if Pelosi thought that some of the protesters were Russian plants, she responded. These are plants. I think some financing should be investigated and I want to ask the the uh, uh, FBI to investigate that. Now, uh, to be totally clear, right now, there is absolutely zero evidence of what she's saying. Right? It is true, Russia has called for a ceasefire, but so have a ton of other countries. In fact, the U.S. is increasingly alone there, with there being 153 countries voting for a ceasefire at the UN back in December. So we're talking nearly three in every four members supported the ceasefire. In fact, only 10 nations voted against it, including the U.S. and Israel, and 23 abstained. And even that vote came in response to the fact that the U.S. had vetoed a nearly identical resolution days before. And so, unsurprisingly, given the whole situation, Pelosi has Gotten a ton of backlash for her comments people arguing she's trying to undermine and delegitimize widespread calls to end the bloodshed i'm saying she's effectively calling for the criminalization of protesters and that including the executive director of the council on american islamic relations who described her claims as delusional and adding that her call for the fbi to investigate those protesters without any evidence is downright authoritarian And so for me personally i'm left just wondering why nancy pelosi would say what she said in one of the dumbest and most insane ways possible. Because without a doubt, Russia is an election meddler. As we've seen in past elections, they want Americans divided. They want Americans at each other's throats for chaos to prevail. In short, looking at the 2024 election, Putin would obviously like to have a Trump presidency over a Biden administration. That American money for Ukraine 100% confirmed dries up, easier for him. And while a Pelosi spokesperson later tried to clarify her comments saying that from her decades on the House Intelligence Committee, the former speaker, quote, is acutely aware of how foreign adversaries meddle in American politics to sow division and impact our elections. And she wants to see further investigation ahead of the 2024 election. For her to say that people calling for a ceasefire, they are just repeating Putin's message. That's just fucking lunacy. Because for most people who want a ceasefire, when they find out, oh, Putin also wants a ceasefire, it's more of a, uh, the worst person you know just made a great point sort of situations. And it doesn't change the fact that while many people like myself believe that Russia would want to agitate the situation here in America, right? Put more gas on that fire. What Pelosi ends up missing, or at the very least, appears to be missing, wording things the way that she did, is that there was already a fire. The call for a ceasefire is a majority popular opinion and movement in America. So saying that the people that are calling for it are just doing Putin's bidding is bananas. But hey, uh, another day, uh, another Democrat further (laughs) isolating the party before uh, one of the biggest elections of our lifetime. Cool, 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 cool. And then, y'all, as if things were not tense enough internationally speaking? Three American soldiers were killed yesterday by Iranian-backed militias in Northern Jordan. And on top of those killed, 30 more were injured at a remote base known as Tower 22, which sits at the border with Syria. Also, before you ask why America had troops in Jordan, they're an ally. We've had varying levels of troops in there for decades. Tower 22 seems to be an extension of that and likely provides logistical support to U.S. bases in Syria. But regardless, this attack is just the latest on U.S. troops in the region by Iranian-backed proxies. But the big key difference is that this didn't take place in disputed regions like Syria and Americans actually died. So you don't need to be a geopolitical expert to realize, okay, not only did things just escalate, but this raises the political pressure on Biden. Even if Iran is denying any direct involvement in the attack, especially as Republicans have criticized him in the past for not doing enough to these militias. With Republican Senator Tom Cotton saying he left our troops as sitting ducks. Although many experts have said that is not a fair characterization. Even Fox News reported that the drone accidentally got through the base's air defenses, The troops at the base thinking that it was an American drone returning from a mission. But then in addition to people like Cotton trying to assign blame, you also had him calling for war. Saying the only answer to these attacks must be devastating military retirement retaliation against Iran's terrorist forces, both in Iran and across the Middle East. And then you have Representative Mike Rogers, who leads the US Military Oversight Committee in the House, saying, it's long past time for President Biden to finally hold the terrorist Iranian regime and their extremist proxies accountable for the attacks they've carried out. But as far as if we're going to war with Iran, that's unclear, with Biden using very specific language last night, saying we had a tough day last night in the Middle East, we lost three brave souls, and then going on to say that the US shall respond, but understandably not going into further detail. And so as far as what that response will be, that remains to be seen, right right now. Though here, I would say like, it gets a little muddy. Right? So like, if, if Iran were to be the target, there's almost zero chance that we would officially declare a war. Instead, the U.S. would continue its decades-long practice of having an undeclared war. But also, as all this is playing out, you have some saying, you know, the Biden administration needs to take a more measured response. With Representative Seth Moulton, who served in Iraq for four tours, responding to Republicans with, deterrence is hard, war is worse. And saying to the chicken hawks calling for war with Iran, you're playing into the enemy's hand. And I'd like to see you send your sons and daughters to fight. We must have an effective strategic response on our terms in our timeline. Meanwhile, others, like Representative Barbara Lee, use the opportunity to say that this was a consequence of how Biden is handling the Israel Hamas war, warning that it is spiraling out of control, saying it's beginning to emerge as a regional war. And you've got a number of people saying she might be right. While you have Israel continuing to say they're fighting Hamas and Gaza, it's also looking more likely that they're gonna fight Hezbollah in Lebanon. and Lebanon. This is the same time as the US and other countries are dealing with the Houthis and other militias throughout the Red Sea, Yemen, and Syria. And so with all this, you have people saying, at the very least, you could blame Iran considering they arm funds and directly train these groups. And that's just if they're doing these things without Iran's blessing. You have Iran claiming that these groups are acting independently and they shouldn't be held responsible for their attacks. Which is also why actually attacking Iranian soil would be seen as a dramatic escalation. Unlike the Houthis and Hezbollah, Iran actually has the weapons that could effectively fight back. And I say that while also noting that there is no doubt that the US would crush Iran militarily. There should be no illusion that it would be some sort of cakewalk or without serious casualties. But long story short, this is not an easy situation to figure out. Because as much as it could be joked about that anytime anyone fucks with the United States, we can say like, oh, you're gonna find out why we don't have universal healthcare. Every option being discussed involves the actual real world deaths of other people, civilians, the men and women who served in the armed forces. It just becomes a question of which consequences we'll see from each decision. And then, and then finally today, let's talk about your comments on the last show. Starting with the Taylor Swift stalking situation, just disturbing people. Althea Ali saying, after 30 times and three arrests, that stalker needs to be locked up because he's clearly not learning his lesson. And JJ Scrota saying, I think it's insane how minimal stalking charges are. Makes you wonder why the people at the top don't want that change. And with this, Marina adding, being stalked is so traumatic. Even if you live, where there are laws against stalking the police in my experience don't want to enforce those laws the amount of times i was told he just likes you let us know if he actually does something to hurt you i don't know what you expect us to do it's been over a decade and i still check my back seat under my car always vigilant about situational awareness i can't relax when i'm out and about it terrorizes you and changes who you are as a person and then finally with this one of y'all sharing my wife has a stalker that she had a stalking order against for over eight years and he still contacts her threatens her etc she used to report it to the police every time but it usually only got worse rather than better. To this day, we still can't get the police to do anything about it while he threatens us both now. Our support system for victims like this is absolutely ridiculous. So that story wasn't the only one that got a lot of attention. Because that insane story about that former NYPD officer had people chiming in. People saying that detective needs to get as many years in prison as the innocent people he sentenced. And saying if that's over 200 years of jail time, it's not enough. Others like GM Drake adding one scary thing about this story is how there's no mention about all the criminals who essentially got away with their crimes because someone else was wrongfully convicted. They might all still be out there doing who knows what. You know, so people like are. Cross- saying, you know, that one cop cost taxpayers more than the $110 million mentioned in the story, saying it doesn't count the taxpayer dollars that paid the cop's salary, others adding the extra court costs of having to do retrials, the extra costs of reinvestigating all the cases, the money we paid to defend him in court, and all of that is in addition to, you know, I, I know in these situations, we try to put a price tag on the time, but all of the time that all of these people have lost to actually live their lives, because whether for more nefarious reasons or some fucking dipshit wanted the name The Closer, they got railroaded and wrongfully convicted Which is also why I scattered throughout the comments. You had people saying, This is part of the reason why I have an issue with the death penalty. Saying, you know, if one officer can manipulate the court like this in these situations, why not there? And that's in addition to when the court just gets things wrong when everyone's trying their best and doing everything above board. Yeah, there was a lot of interesting conversation happening. It's one of my favorite things about this show. So thanks to everyone that decides to be a part of that. But that is where we're going to end today's show. If you're new here, make sure you subscribe for more daily dives into the news. For more news you need to know that you might have missed, I got you covered right here, or I also got links in the description for you. And of course, remember, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.